in three, <laughs> two, one. And apparently it says I'm live. Oh, cool. I'm live. And like for some reason, Are I look like, yeah, I'm, we're live. And it looks like I'm stuck, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. Welcome to CS Joseph. Hopefully this is your first experience. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? Okay, so introduction. So yeah, uh, welcome to the uh, csjoseph.life uh, Q&A session, episode four. And uh, we do this probably about trying to do it twice twice a month right now. And uh, yep. we're basically taking your questions, and I'll be answering your questions live. Questions can be provided in two locations. Uh, the first location is on our Discord server. If you don't know where our Discord is, find one of my lectures on the YouTube channel. And uh, can people actually, like, hear me? Can we verify that, please? I check. You're fine. Good. Dope. Uh, <laughs> just, I got to ask. Uh, so anyway... Uh, the Discord server, you can put them in the questions channel, and then also the discussion channel uh, for comments and whatnot. Uh, please, mm -hmm. uh, Hunter, keep track of both channels while we're going, and don't lose your place in the uh, questions channel while you're at it, because yes. that may happen. Uh, the other thing is, is that you can also provide yeah. questions directly on the YouTube channel. We got uh, Hunter and Nova joining us tonight, uh, so we can Hello. make sure that we're getting all of the uh, questions uh, as much as we can. So. Uh, Hunter, we're going to be oscillating between uh, the YouTube channel and also the Discord. Where we're going to starting off with the Discord yep. first, and then we'll go from there. All right. Also, uh, Nova, Hunter, and Vamps, if you folks have any commentary to add uh, or any thoughts to add, by all means, uh, add them. And uh, we'll just, yep. yeah. So new to. Did all you right. make a J breakdown as to what? Just watching Lin Yen Chin. Hello, Lin Yen Chin. Good to see you. Glad to know that my my clone, according to uh, Eric Strauss, uh, <laughs> exists. <laughs> oh, we're going according to Eric Strauss. All right. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're. I mean, I'm not a famous person, so I I can't I can't be on his show. <laughs> can't help famous yeah, I'm not. I'm not famous. Nope. Yeah. All right, cool. Fire it off for us tonight. What's the first question, Hunter? What do we got? All right. First question would be from Subterranean Homesick Alien with the dopest name. Uh, how can I develop my FE as an INTP female? I've had, a, I've had a rough childhood, and I have experienced a lot of social anxiety growing up. I say this because I want to be much more emotionally available for my children when I have them and than my parents were my, for my sister. Okay, well, that's kind of like a, a two-prong question, or two-prong answer, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Effie and Fear, yes, there's this natural inclination to be afraid about how other people feel. That makes sense, and that is a thing, and, it's, and it can be very troublesome. Social anxiety can cause INTPs uh, to be apathetic to social uh, interaction entirely, and they'll just stop socializing with anyone, period, because they just don't want to deal with it, right? And uh, that can be a big deal. So how do we avoid that? Well, we just do uh, by not being afraid. Well, that's not really that easy. Basically, uh, surround themselves with FI users first would be the first thing, because then they have the ability for their SI child to practice with socializing with other FI users. And if they know that they are making you know, some FI users happy over time, then they gain their experience for their SI child, which builds up in their mind, right? And just think of like 
integrated sensing child is their long-term memory access and it's just charging this battery up over time right and it's like their their fe battery or their si battery of gaining experience is getting charged up which basically allows them to remember a lot of social faux pas that they may have committed in the past and then as a result of that uh, they are able to, um, you know, kind of learn how to be more social over time. It basically is you have to force yourself through self-discipline, through your SI child, force yourself to fail at being social, essentially. You have to socialize mm -hmm. over and over and over again and fail over and over again and bang your head against the wall. This is such going to be a meme later. You know it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> or a gif. Uh, Bang your head against the wall until, yeah, I know, right? Uh, bang, your hands, bang your head against the wall until you basically kind of figure it out. The thing is, though, if you're doing it around fellow FE users, that's not going to be really helpful. So make sure that you're around FI users when you're trying to develop your FE inferior. Any inferior function can become an aspirational function. It just takes literally one thing, practice. It's just practice at the end of the day. So as long as you're focused on practicing, uh, you'll be fine. and the mm -hmm. older, and this is why typically the older a person is, the more developed their inferior function is. And that's how they're able to go into their subconscious because they've gotten past the second gateway in their mind. The The four gateway functions are the hero, uh, the inferior, the nemesis, and the demon. And uh, the older you get, the more developed you, you become with your cognitive functions, especially the gateway functions. And as soon as you spend a lot of time developing your inferior function and you're getting over your insecurity, you no longer have that social anxiety. You're able to go into your subconscious at, you know, at free will, basically. So, uh, right. yeah, it, to, to add one more point, though, just one more. Um, when... <laughs> If you don't, if you're having really, if you're struggling so much being supportive of other people, uh, if you're struggling so much uh, with the social anxiety, there is one shortcut that you can do in the meantime, and it kind of does help you practice. If you know for a fact that you as an INTP are actually being useful and actually being supportive and contributing to something, you don't have to be as afraid because if people are going to like question you and be, you know, dicks to you, when you're actually helping them, what right do they have to do that? Like they're so ungrateful, right? So you can kind of mask your insecurity through just being very supportive and very helpful because then what right do they have to be getting in your face and claiming you're doing social faux pas if you're being super helpful and useful to begin with, right? Like that doesn't even make sense. That literally gives the INTP the ability to point their finger at them using their TI hero and and then switch to TE nemesis to be like, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites. Don't talk. So that's how I would answer that question. Yep. Um, would you say that one of the best things for someone to develop their FE would be to get through like one of the bigger walls that INTPs have where they just don't do things? Yeah. Uh, you really, one of the reasons why INTPs can become so apathetic uh, with their vice uh, is because of social trauma and social anxiety. But again, if they just use the cloak of humility and the cloak of, ooh, I'm super supportive and super helpful, all of that really goes away. And then they'll just literally arrive at a point where they're aspirational with their inferior function and it's well-developed and they can just move on with their life at that point. So. All right. Next question comes from Cruz, and it is, which types are more prone to becoming Mr. Nice Guy? Good question. That is actually a good question. Uh, so 
Which types are more prone to being nice guys? Uh, basically, all of them. Literally, uh, literally all of them uh, can. Like, if you're a male and you obviously have one of the 16 types, then you are at risk of having nice guy syndrome at any time. Where does this come from? A book called No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. I recommend you read it. If, if you are a human being and you draw it breath, you should probably read this book. No, I'm not getting paid to say that. It's just something that you should read. Uh, understand nice guy syndrome. If you're a woman, understand it so you can hold your man in your life accountable. If you're a man, understand it so you can hold yourself accountable. Uh, there is no excuse. Nice guy syndrome is a disease and it needs to be purged. So let's <laughs> purge it, you know, with all the chemo in the world, right? Uh, so <laughs> careful that disease. Uh, but if I was <laughs> going to say something in particular, uh, which types does nice guy syndrome really probably impact the most? I would say um, definitely introverted intuitives. Uh, so the bottom right hand corner of the type grid, basically INs essentially. Uh, so INTJ, INFJ, INTP, INFP, it can be really a, a big deal. Uh, I've seen it with ISTJs plenty. I've seen it with some ENFPs, but not often. I've seen it with ESTPs and ESFPs too, because they're afraid to want the wrong thing and they just end up getting stuck in failure to launch syndrome. But that's not necessarily nice guy syndrome, right? So you have to kind of balance the two. It's like failure to launch syndrome is not the same as nice guy syndrome. Uh, but FE users also have that issue. And, and it really depends on society. So it's it's such a complex question in terms of being able to answer. I can't just provide like a direct answer. You know what I mean? Because a lot of human nurture impacts it between society or, you know, or your family or your community or whatever your religion is. All of those different facets, you know, can help mold a person into becoming a nice guy. So my recommendation, just read the freaking book. Seriously, read the freaking book because it actually <laughs> shows why people develop a nice guy syndrome. And the majority of that has nothing to do with human nature. It's basically everything to do with human nurture. And it's just some types depending in some, some types in some cultures are more sensitive to it than others. And that's just the difference. But I yeah. can't, I can't comment on so, that without knowing which society we're talking about. I need specifics. You know what I mean? So let's just put it into this society, maybe to get some sort of a play on how anxiety would affect each individual. Like we have an SJ culture from what you've told me. Would that mean that is FE something that's harshly bashed in the society? Because I can see FE and FI working together really harshly to become what most people see as a Mr. Nice Guy. Well, I, kind of. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about like Warren Farrell, for example, the author of The Boy Crisis, he would say that men in general don't have emotional intelligence. He's full of crap. He's completely full of crap. Why? It's because half of men out there are FE users, and FE users do have emotional intelligence, right? Especially if they're like mm -hmm. FE hero, like yourself, or FE parent, or FE child, they have emotional intelligence. Yet, FE child types, ESTPs and ENTPs, are often told, oh, well, you're soulless human beings, yet they don't have emotional intelligence. Yes, they do. FE users have emotional intelligence. But it's based on what the collective sees as emotional intelligence in general, right? Whereas, like, what they're really having a problem is, is like, oh, you, 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 you don't have principles. But that's not the same. Emotional intelligence as, like, a title or as a label is not really well defined. Because human beings can only be 
more ethical versus moral or more moral versus ethical? Which one technically is emotional intelligence? Is it FE? Is it FI? Which one? No one's saying anything. Mm -hmm. And they say an FI user that lacks emotional intelligence because they're, they, they're more focused inwardly. They're more focused on themselves. Does that make them selfish, right? So you have less emotional intelligence. Then they tell the FE user, oh, you don't have emotional intelligence either because you lack principles. You lack moral principles. So I'm sorry. These people are stupid and ignorant. And I'm sorry, Warren Farrell, you are also ignorant. And uh, because of that ignorance, you. Forced, like boys should be forced to learn and take emotional intelligence classes in schools or whatever. And it's like, OK, really? No. How about you actually learn about what emotional intelligence actually means and how it's defined psychologically within the human brain before like judging people and expecting policy to change and like destroy the lives of boys as we know it again? Thank you, feminism. Thank you, Warren Farrell. Anyway, what's the next question? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. Next question is, is it possible to develop more personal types outside of the four inside of the circle? I'm guessing they mean ego, using the parent function of the superego. For example, re remembering the parent and child function of the superego, then pulling them into the ego. So I'm guessing they mean more along the lines of, is it possible to use your superego as a tool while being entirely in control of it throughout your ego? Uh, kind of. Uh, I actually answered this question earlier today. Um, I was having a deep discussion about this, but... Uh, so the superego, uh, why do we have the superego? We have the superego to be able to have that nuclear option, super mega powerful to reset our life. Uh, the superego is also, when it's used irresponsibly, can lead to heinous crimes, uh, rape, murder, uh, dismemberment, uh, horrible things that the, uh, that the superego can lead to. But its main purpose, its main use, is to reset your life. You know, when people have midlife crisis, they activate the superego, burn their life down to the ground, and then they just become this, like, this new person. You know, why is that? Well, mm -hmm. it's because of the subconscious. It's because of a lack of, uh, of self-actualization. Midlife crisis literally is the superego activating involuntarily because it's the superego forcing your mind to try to develop your subconscious, essentially. Because why is that? How can you get into your superego healthfully? You don't go to it through your shadow. That's a problem because it's the opposite of your shadow. It's very opposing, right? And you would have to get over your demon function to be able to do that. Typically, most people don't go through the demon gateway to get down into the superego. So what they have to do instead, or what they should do instead, you've developed your ego, you've developed your shadow, you're developing your subconscious, and you mm -hmm. finally mastered the fourth gateway function, your inferior function, and uh, you, you, it's an aspirational function. It's no longer insecure or not as insecure. It's insecurity is a secondary trait instead of a primary trait. It's kind of switched, which means you can go into your subconscious more often and at will and utilize its strengths on a regular basis, which is fantastic. Then because of that, you can go into the subconscious's chateau itself, its shadow, which is the superego, and kind of utilize the superego in that fashion. And that is how you integrate healthfully your superego in your mind. Here's the thing, though. When does that typically happen in a person's life? Because statistically, people don't usually develop their subconscious on average until like in their late 40s, early 50s, usually 
right? That's kind of where, you know, midlife, basically midlife, and that's when the midlife crisis happens. If someone has a midlife crisis, their super, their subconscious is not developed yet. It's their super ego basically complaining at that point, seriously complaining, and it's super strong, you know? So it's kind of like that person that's like lived a religious life for like 20 years and it did them absolutely no good. Uh, you know what I mean? And then they burn it yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden after they get out of that religion, they're starting to live for themselves for once, finally. And then their super ego starts to develop. <laughs> Or their, or their subconscious develops. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I too enjoy, yeah. you know, religion. <laughs> no, I don't. I I mean, I used to be very religious. Sue me. But uh, the point is, once you've <laughs> developed, yeah, once you've developed your uh, subconscious, basically, in that manner, um, you can go into uh, and use your superego in a healthy way. And that would happen even later in life essentially. But there is first requirement is development of the subconscious. Otherwise the superego's only other use is the nuclear option or when it's completely uh, out of control, heinous, heinous criminal activity. Great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> whatever, but yeah. So you, uh, actually we can get to that later. These next few questions seem to be kind of along the lines of dealing with and being an ENTP. So I'm guessing you might have a really good answer to these. Um, first one is from Valentina Bilofsky, and it is, how can you deal with an ENTP family member who acts apathetic and can't be present with you at times when you need them to? Well, you have to find out why they're not present with you first. Why? What are you doing to make them uncomfortable? Or what are you doing to make them think that you're being dumb? Or what are you doing to make them think that you're being immoral? Because you're either being dumb or you're being immoral or you are making them uncomfortable, or you're not listening to them because they're usually trying to give you advice on what you could be doing next or like what you would want to do. So those, some of, whichever those things is happening is likely why the ENTP is just kind of like, wow, you're such a waste of time right now. Apathy mode, you know, the NTP apathy, although it's like far worse than INTPs, but ENTPs do it all the time. Uh, the thing is though, I've noticed, especially with NFJs and STPs in relationships or friendships with an ENTP, they assume that they're being neglected. They assume that the ENTP is not present with them because, and that's not even really true. I mean, it's just like someone, you know, an, uh, an, an NFJ or an STP talking to an NTP and they're trying to like make sure that they are like physically looking them in the eye when they're having this conversation with them. And of course, I'm not even looking at them. I'm completely listening to everything they're saying, but they're assuming that I'm not listening to them because I'm not looking at them because they can't like fathom that I might be multitasking mentally uh, while I'm doing that because they don't do that. So they're judging <laughs> me. They're judging me based on their own perspective, based on their own point of view, based on their functions, which is absolutely wrong. Do not do this. It's really annoying because here's the thing. Here's how people judge each other. Okay. I'm an ENTP, right? Uh, or well, let's pick a type, let's pick any type. Let's do an ESTP, that's great. Let's just do ESTP. So um, an ESTP, right, would typically, that people naturally typically try to find people that they are highest compatibility with, right? So they wanna find someone that is basically their shadow. They're looking for their shadow in other people. So 
in their shadow or the other type that's related to their shadow. So like an ESTP would be, they're looking for STJs, essentially. I want to find STJs. So they're judging people automatically to the standard of STJs, hoping that they're going to find an STJ. And then, okay, that's the first thing they judge on. The second thing they judge on is if the person is like their subconscious, if they're their polar opposite, for so that they can figure out if they need to learn something from that person or to kind of like compete with that person, be better than that person, or to not be like that person, et cetera. Or if they're like a father to children, live vicariously through their children, right? Like, for example, my father's an ENFJ, and he kind of wanted to be an ISTP grease monkey, and I had zero, absolute zero anything to do with that as a child, basically. Like, he wanted me to, like, work on cars with him, and I wouldn't. I was just no interest in it, and it bothered him so much. You know, again judging me as if I'm like an S like trying to cause me to be an STP, you know, in that regard, because he was living vicariously through me at the time. And the other option is through their own self. Oh, you're not like me. Right. So because the ESTP is like, you know, I'm focused and I'm always aware of what everyone else is doing. And if you're not like me, then you're weak. So I'm going to give you crap. And it's like, no, how about you actually treat others the way you want to be treated? If you want to get people to respect that you're an ESTP, Maybe you should like figure out that that person is an INTP and respect them for being an INTP instead of just assuming like a moron that they're weak and then try to like right. make them stronger with your SE hero. Like, wow, way to like fish to climb a tree, right? Yeah, why why don't why don't you just elect yourself the judge there? You know, who are you to judge your neighbor? Hello, ESTPs. Like for example, but again, it's not just ESTPs. Every single type does this. Every and, uh, one of them. Every one of them. And, uh, this this, along with most things in Jungian psychology, isn't something that's like usually something that they're doing on purpose or thoughtfully, right? You say that again. This isn't something that most people are doing like on purpose or thoughtfully. Yeah, yeah, no, they, it's it just comes it comes supernaturally, and this is just our nature, right? So what you have to do is like introspect a little bit, or even extrospect, where you're looking at somebody else, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh. That person is not like me. I can't. You cannot assume that other people are like you. You have to assume that they could be potentially the polar, polar opposite or neutral to you whatsoever. They are different. It is your responsibility to type yourself accurately and type other people so that you know how they behave so, so that you could be, be okay with it. Why? Because what you should be judge. like I'm not telling you to not judge people. Yes, judge people. Just remember, if you are going to judge people, you're going to be judged the same way yourself. So just realize there's a caveat there. But definitely judge people. Except maybe you should be judging them by their standard and not your standard. You selfish prick. Like, seriously, don't do that. You know, wake up and realize the wisdom here. And the wisdom is judge people based on their standard, based on their type, based on their nature, etc. So... The whole thing, I guess, would be something around the lines of qualitative analysis is a good thing. Make sure the qualities are worth being analyzed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what do you got next? Next would be from AZ Justicar, and it is, how does an ENTP deal with arrogance? With the virtue and vice of ENTP being sincerity and insincerity, which I definitely identify with, but I've also seen arrogance and humility being incredibly prevalent in ENTPs in particular. Okay. And then it goes into functions, but go ahead. So the less life experience they have, the more arrogant they are. And I think even Benjamin Franklin, who is an ENTP, said this in his autobiography. Uh, 
humility is everything uh, to SI inferior because SI inferior finally wakes up one day and realizes, wow, I don't actually know anything about anything. I don't really don't have any experience at all. And I'm really insecure about trying new things. So the ENTP then realizes they have to have self-discipline to force themselves to try new things. And then after forcing themselves to try new things, oh, okay, now I understand. And, uh, and then it comes with them a lot of humility. Now let's talk about humility for a second. Why is humility important? If you are behaving prideful, and usually pride comes as a result of hiding your insecurity. So like me being SI inferior, I'd get super prideful and pretend that I knew what I was talking about and pretended that I had experience, even though I didn't, you know what I mean? And whenever I would fail, just make me that look like that much more of an idiot to people, right? And then also because of that, it came off super prideful, super arrogant, and people would go out of their way to like put me down and take me down a few notches. Right. Guess what? If someone's being prideful, naturally human beings are going to take you down a few notches naturally, right? Then, uh, but if you're being humble, you know, and people see that you're being humble, they're naturally going to lift you up on their own. So I would rather people like not take me down a few notches and actually naturally lift me up. So humility becomes like a cloak of invisibility becomes a cloak of safety. If you wear humility, who's really going to be interested in taking you out? You know what I mean? So it's right. very important from a social standpoint to embrace humility because embracing pride just proves that you're insecure and afraid and probably a loser. Yep. Everyone likes the lion. No one likes the guy wearing a lion skin. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Okay. Um, can we read some Nova? No? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. What do you got for us, Nova? All right. So first, there's one from Curtis King. He says, I love your sessions. You seem to go off a lot on INTP and parenthood. What are the benefits and negatives of having an INTP parent? Well, I mean, according to most people, they'd probably say that INTPs are the master race. So, I mean, if your parent's the master race, <laughs> I mean, you're good to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... No, no, no. Uh, so is the question more INTP, the INTPs being the parent or, or, or the INTP being the parent? Yeah. Okay. And how to, well, the thing is though, is that INTPs as a parent has ESFJ subconscious. So they're at risk of being a doormat by the children. And sometimes they feel guilty about punishing children or, or holding children accountable or, you know, or disciplining children. And then they can allow children to like walk all over them. And it is the most annoying thing in the world. Uh, I am so used to INTP men, especially with nice guy syndrome, so afraid and so high in social anxiety, they just allow their children to walk all over them. And then you just lose respect for the guy. I even actually went up to an INTP one time who I've never met before and would never see again. And his children were behaving so poorly. And I went up to him and I said, and I, of course, was uh, outside of swinging distance when I said this to him. But I was like, I said, look, your children are out of control. And I have no respect for you. Like, are you even like seriously a really good parent at all? Like, have some self-respect and be a be a dad instead of just like this stump of a tree standing here letting your children scream about how they didn't get this piece of candy right now, annoying everyone in the store because you're obviously too apathetic to even notice. Wow. I mean, I could argue that you're selfish, you know, at that point. He was, like, really angry yeah. at me. But then also at the same time, I could tell that he's, like, T.I. Hero's, like, yeah, he's actually right, you know. Uh, 
And I moved out of that situation quickly because of how angry this person was. But I was just so triggered by it. And this happened in a Whole mm -hmm. Foods. I was just so upset because the children were so loud. My SI inferior just couldn't handle it anymore. And I'm like, dude, like seriously, pay mm -hmm. attention or you just don't care. I mean, are you just so numb to it? You just got it turned off. You're just so checked out there, Mr. INTP. Like it's so horrible. <laughs> so don't allow, like realize if you're an INTP and you're a parent, have the self-discipline to realize that it is your duty to discipline your children it's it's and teach them manners it's that simple like there's no excuse you know there's just no excuse do you um question do you feel like intps are one of the best people who would benefit from someone actually sitting down and talking about like all of the things that might help their any parent when it comes to children like see maybe help them see into the future a bit with it uh, more of, more of actually INTPs would benefit the most by actually receiving training, like parental training, like introverted sensing yeah. child is great. If they spend time reading and taking classes and getting advice from people and listening and actually actively looking for advice and actively looking for training and actively looking for knowledge and wisdom on the subject of parenting and, you know, uh, and getting informed in the process. They can become absolute awesome parents. And the best part about INTPs, when they're reading like parenting books, they're gonna be like, they're reading the book and it's like, wow, this is definitely crap. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But they force themselves to read the whole thing. When they do that, they realize, well, great, 15% of this book was actually useful. Throw away the other bit, but at least they got the 15%. And if they're reading like six or seven books of that, where they're only getting 10, 15% use out of them. They still have all that usefulness committed to memory, and they're already changing their parenting strategies as a result. I've also noticed INTPs utilize self-help books for their like marriages as well in the same manner. Uh, and where I know this one who read like probably about thirty self-help books on the subject of marriage alone, and he could tell me exactly what things worked, which ones didn't for his relationship. He ended up still getting a divorce anyway, but he ended up getting a new relationship within six months after the fact. And it happened to be somebody that he was in the military with at the time uh, when he used to be in the military because he's out of the military. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a fantastic relationship as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, when it comes to introverted sensing, if you're an introverted sensor, you need experience. And that, e that either comes through research yeah. or trial and error. So that's how I would I agree. recommend it. Another cool thing about being an INTP is you don't have to read parenting books like i took an introductory psychology course in college i'm an intp and i can apply all of that information to parenting situations so even just learning about psychology of learning and discipline and that sort of thing can help you yeah yeah definitely um i, I I'm going to be talking a lot more about the subject of parenting very soon. I'm actually going to be doing a, a series of the how to parent series, how to parent this type, how to parent that type, et cetera. Or if you're a kid, how to deal with your parent that is this type, <laughs> et cetera. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun series when that comes out, but definitely on the schedule. And if you just realize that's literally uh, – that's literally 32 plus 16 worth of videos because I'm doing that parent, you know, with like per gender as well. So now people are starting <laughs> to realize why I have 800 videos on the schedule. <laughs> oh, geez. about to bag on a bunch of people. All right. Next up. 
We have Andrea O. She says, I'd like to know which type is capable with a female ISTP romantically and just platonic. And just platonic? Uh, Watch my social compatibility uh, lecture on ISTPs uh, to get all the answers to those questions. But typically, STPs should focus on finding SJs. uh, But more specifically, STJs would probably be be ideal. If they can't find STJs, then NFPs would be pretty good. Although NFPs may be a little bit much for them to handle, so they should have a little bit more, like if you're an ISTP, you should be more developed and have more uh, uh, maturity as a result. But in terms of just making it super mega easy for yourself, definitely go for STJs as an ISTP. Hmm. All right, that's fairly straightforward. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Wishbone. Wishbone says, I work with an ISTJ female. I think she's into me, but how do I approach her with how I believe we can work as a couple? <laughs> uh, I would not approach her with how you would think you would work as a couple. I would actually offer her to go get some beers with you first. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> or go go-karting or something. You know, go on a few dates. <laughs> a slightly creepy first interaction yeah <laughs> i mean i i i'm not i'm not trying to be a dick right now contrary to popular belief but uh i yeah i just kind of that's i i would i would suggest whining and dining before you have that that conversation <laughs> right like uh maybe one of the better things for uh trying to date an INTJ is make them see that they're actually something good that, that they can give you a good experience on a regular basis. Yeah. Probably a good thing for that. Also, um, trying to set like social webs and fabrics with an INTJ is one of the weirder things I've heard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Hunter, what's the next question on your side? All right. This is from Logan and it was, uh, would culture impact how a type would typically behave? For instance, would an INTP from Western society behave differently from an INTP in the Middle Eastern societies? The answer to that is absolutely yes. In terms of how to comment on that specifically, I can't really comment on that really well. Uh, So, like, for example, if you're in Saudi Arabia and you're a devout Muslim, but you're an INTJ, uh, that's going to be very interesting. (laughs) So, and it would influence uh, some behavior, but it does not change your interaction style and it does not change your temperament. So your type is your type, regardless of your nurture, essentially. (laughs) Nurture can help shape your type over time, but still at the end of the day, your interaction style is your interaction style, primarily versus (laughs) secondarily. Same thing with temperament, primarily versus secondarily. Revert back to the whole social fabric thing in the Middle Eastern. Anyway. I All do right. I do own a Saudi Arabian law book titled Polygamy Law in Saudi Arabia. And, <laughs> and I picked that up in a random library one time because I'm like, there's no way this exists. And I just read it for pure novelty. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally know what you're saying. All right. Next one says, uh, is control movement, responding, initiating, informative, direct uh, on a spectrum or more of a dichotomy? They seem to be some. There seems to be some talk on the server about a spectrum, but I do not see that mentioned in the videos. Did Emery ask that? Uh, just, I think it's a good question. It, it is a good question. Uh, well, 
it's technically dichotomy. I it's technically I want to say spectrum, but it's not. It's not a spectrum. Again, it's 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 primary versus secondary. So, uh, and I don't I don't like the dichotomy model. And Emery's actually correct in saying that the the dichotomy model is is crap. He's so right about that. Absolutely, uh, it is absolute crap. Uh, but in terms of identifying interaction styles versus temperaments, it's still kind of dichotomic. I guess is the quite is the right way of saying it. But uh, uh, it, it, it sounds like something that would come out of the English language. Uh, <laughs> either that or like a cow having a bad day on a farm, you know. Uh, but with that in mind, uh, no, it's like yes and no, it, because it's primary versus secondary. Okay, I'm primarily direct. I'm secondarily inf informative. Why is that? Because my ego is informative, but my shadow is is direct right so primarily i'm informative yeah. secondarily i'm direct that's it's 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 that simple right so and if i was to actually make it out into a spectrum hmm. well then on a spectrum yeah i'm more informative because i'm in my mind in my ego more often than i'm in my other sides of my mind so i could like statistically represent it as a spectrum right. but does that mean it's actually a spectrum no no i know yeah because you can, the word you can bring is dichotomous. Dichotomous, thank you. There you go. Dichotomotic was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, I'm not. Yeah, with the whole spectrum thing, I think you can bring and integrate your shadow more effectively. So I wouldn't say it's a spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Right. right. Okay. The next one's a really good question too, and it's: Do interaction styles influence the way cognitive functions present themselves? For example, would would direct FE hero differ from informative FE hero? If so, would this also apply to temperaments in the same way? Example, any hero idealist versus any hero intellectual. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is yes, but I mean, they're still yeah. they're still fundamentally the same. Like how they come out is different because how are you going to judge how they come out anyway? The, the cognitive functions pair up with each other or they quadrupleize each other or they pair up in teams of threes to actually do your to do your interactions they're like little they're like little gears and knobs and they're all just turning on each other and whatnot all over the place and there's like this big machine yep. that was your mind so that's how i would answer that question so yeah um it seems to let's say yes but like in the same way no because any is like how you analyze your environment no 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 that's se it's how you yeah 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 it's how you deal with the information given and how you put it towards future so they would still kind of think the same way. It'd be the same cog but working on a different machine, I guess. Right, right. But what's the next? <laughs> uh, this one is Kamaitis, who's having a very hard time dealing with TI inferior. Hence the question: How do I overcome TI inferior? Question mark. Always verify. Always verify everything your friends tell you. <laughs> I'll obviously verify everything you hear from the pulpit at church. Verify everything your boss says. Literally open up the employee handbook and look and read the rules and read the limitations. Read your job description. Uh, you know, if you if you if you oh. go to church all the time, buy a concordance and a dictionary and compare what other people say about what this verse means instead of just taking it right. by default. You know, right. So everything. the answer would be to get enough information to the point where you're not inferior in your knowledge. Therefore, you're not thinking that you're so horrible on it. Always verify. Always. Yep. Especially if you're TI inferior, so, always verify. The burden on you to verify is higher than anyone else. 
And I might want to add something to this. How do you overcome the social effects of TI inferior? Like, let's say you have an SJ who's really mad that you're going and searching elsewhere with information that they've given you. Well, they can just get over themselves because you have every right to go verify for yourself. How dare they expect you to succumb to groupthink? Thank you. Um, next question is from Galacti. It says, do TI users take a, lot, a longer time to learn compared to TE users? Good question. Uh, technically, in terms of book smarts, yes. In terms of general practicality, aka street smarts, no. All right. Uh, that's a good amount right now. Can you go back to Nova? Yeah, sure. What's, what's next, Nova? Uh, from Heather Bryant, if inferior nemesis and demon functions are gateways to and from the unconscious, does that mean the hero function can also be utilized as a gateway function to bring someone back into their ego? Uh, so the hero function is the gateway function into your own ego. The inf so the hero function, the inferior function is the gateway into your own subconscious. The nemesis function is the gateway into your own unconscious. And the demon is the gateway into your own superego. It's all about your own. And you just have to develop those functions and gain mastery over those functions. So you did, uh, although you kind of by default get mastery over your hero because it's like your ego. So you kind of get like a free a freebie to start. Although yeah. your hero can be empowered over time as you actually conquer your insecurity and your inferior function, because your inferior function is directly linked to your hero. And the stronger your inferior function is, the stronger your uh, hero function is. So just realize in terms of cognitive development, developing the other functions makes the other functions that they're linked to through cognitive axis stronger. If you don't know what cognitive axis is, look it up on my YouTube channel. I have a lecture on the subject, cognitive axis. Um, and then also look up cognitive synchronicity. That's season five as well uh, for cognitive synchronicity. The cognitive axis, which I believe is in season one towards the last few episodes of season one, watch that lecture and you'll kind of get an idea as to how that works. Mm -hmm. I have a interesting question that might tie into that. Um, so could you then like what a good thing for you to do if you want to become a balanced individual at, would that be like, would, would it be a good thing to activate a lot of your doors or gateways on a regular basis or no? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's not so much balance as it is integration. You're integrating mm -hmm. everything with your ego, basically, and making your Become. ego more. It's 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 a form of growth. You want to bring all four sides of your all four sides of your mind together, kind of like a Rubik's cube of sorts, and everything is working together in perfect harmony. And it's just integration. That's all it is. It's just having as much integration as possible. Mm -hmm. I can bounce around in my mind to the different corners of my mind all the time as each situation needs. I'll be ENTP with someone, they don't respond to it, I'll flip to ISFJ real quick, and then uh, they don't respond to that, I'll go INTJ, they don't respond to that, then I just start mocking them with my super ego after that, because <laughs> it's like, okay, wow, I mean, are you human? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's next? All right. Uh, next for me too, we have Lucifer, my bro. Uh, he says, 
uh, he has an ISTP friend who's been smoking weed on a daily basis for the past six years, and he wants to know if ISTPs are prone to substance abuse. Absolutely. Uh, SPs, oh. <laughs> SPs of all the types are the most prone to substance abuse. Absolutely. Uh, statistically, oh. it's been proven SPs have more trouble with substance abuse than any of the other types, with NJs uh, being second highest uh, after SPs, for sure. Uh, basically SE users. Uh, why is that? Because it allows them to have a higher experience with their introverted sensing function, which is lower than in their cognitive function stack, and it just allows them to have more experiences. This is why uh, specifically ISTPs and ISFPs love using psychedelics and hallucinogens because it's like, oh, I get to use my extrovert intuition function for once. Right. And it's like this huge surreal experience that they've never had before. And they right. absolutely love it. You know, conversely, if you have like an INTP or an ENTP, uh, like, like, like punch drunk, for example, all of a sudden they're like amazing at pool, even though they were like absolutely crappy at pool all of their times. You know what I mean? It's because they're used, they're, they're mentally forcing themselves <laughs> to have access to experted sensing, even though they don't normally, you know. I want to create a game where you get someone drunk and try to type them. Anyway, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, type like, on. And the way it actualizes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Nova, what's next? All right, next we have Borlex asking, how do an INTP male with ENFJ female relationship look like? INTP awesome. male with ENFJ female, like really good, <laughs> like absolutely good. Yeah, that's a, a well. I mean, I love ENFJs. Yeah, they're great. I, the thing is, though, is that the INTP would have to avoid telling the ENFJ that they're stupid and actually spend time like being willing to listen to the ENFJ, even though the INTPs completely thought it all the way out, even though the INTPs already solved the problem, but the ENFJ in their own mind hasn't solved the problem. So they need to have the room to be able to think through it themselves because they're not going to rely on anything the INTP thinks. They're just not going to. They have to it, figure it, it out themselves. A, it would have to be a really mature relationship. Well, I kind of. Uh, they're, they're still super compatible you know, like, like sexually, for example, but, uh, but, you know, with decision makings, like with their uh, judgment functions, it's, it is something that people would have to be aware of, uh, is a thing. So all you have to do is make sure that the ENFJ is getting their day in court while simultaneously the ENFJ is not allowed to accuse the INTP of being soulless or like lacking in humanity ever or being right. uncaring. So you have to understand it's on both sides of the spectrum there. And both individuals knowing that need to realize that those are boundaries that they do not cross. And it's, and that just needs to be communicated and trusted and upheld forever. And the relationship will be fantastic. And some maturity. Exactly. Huh. What's next for me, Mr. Hunter? Shanks, with uh, my personal experience, two ex-ENFP girlfriends, and some of the sources I've read, like David Kiersey, have showed me that there is a unique kind of attraction between INTJs and ENFPs. But in your video about social compatibility of INTJs, you don't even mention them. So what do you think about the INTJ-ENFP compatibility in a romantic relationship? Uh, it's the same kind of compatibility as the type we just talked about, INTP and ENFJ. 
it's basically it's it's kind of the same same type of interaction so you just uh it's 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 it can be hard because the ENFP is usually walking around like feeling like I'm better than you, Mr. INTJ. Get over it. Like I'm I'm a better human yeah, being than or, you are. <laughs> or the or the yeah. uh, INTJ is like I'm way smarter than you are. Get over it. You know when the ENF the I ENFP is electing themselves the professor to the the INTJ, and it's like no, don't do that to an INTJ. You're gonna lose. You know they do <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. I think a, a cool thing about that relationship is ENFPs and INTJs both kind of build like walls and masks. So that'd be a cool relationship just because if you can get past that on a daily basis, it'd be, it'd be a really good area of like coming home and being yourself for both of them. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, Oh, INTJ plus ENFP relationship, literally vampire the masquerade <laughs> relationship. <laughs> awesome. All right, what's the next question? Right. Next comes from our bird girl, Nightingale, and it is, uh, is it possible to be an INTP slash ENTP, but dressing up uniquely instead of plain milk and toast? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. If you're an NTP, you can, your introverted sensing can learn fashion over time, especially if you have friends that teach you and give you tips or you're, you buy yourself a fashion magazine, uh, uh, subscription because remember SI plus NE is all about mimicry. It's mimicking other people and what they're doing for fashion. It's not necessarily creating your own fashion, get up or your own outfits based off of like your own, you know, uh, uh, tastes or whatever and then going and then going out in public like that and, and wearing it that way and oh i'm giving everyone such a great experience no that's not how it works they don't naturally have that inclination they have to be given no. like like templates like fashion templates based off stuff that they get out of a magazine or on instagram or through or through friends and i have i have specific outfits for these situations uh because their husband helped them pick out those outfits and they're like oh this outfit is really great thank you for helping me figure it out and then they have like their their map in their head where there's okay i have the go-to outfit for this situation and this situation and this situation and this situation at the end of the day it's just mimicry so yeah uh and i'd like to point to a little bit of experience here not necessarily with the typing grid or anything like that but rick <laughs> question mark good example of that awesome personality in public all right next comes as long from as he's wearing a hat he's got to be wearing a hat yes as long as he's wearing one of his many hats yep <laughs> right. next comes from uh the man of many hats next comes from euphemia the greatest the third euphemia says yep euphemia can you explain the difference between the subconscious and the unconscious are they opposite quote genders unquote different purposes so is one more accessible than the other is one more comfortable slash easier than the other and are we more likely to use one over the other yes yes and yes uh yes we are more likely to use our unconscious than our subconscious actually uh because the subconscious it's kind of like the root in a tree with the ego being like the fruit at the top of the tree basically that's why it's easier for people to get stuck in their shadow or their unconscious side than it is for them to get stuck in their subconscious uh typically and that's yeah. a very normal thing uh as a result uh 
and people are more prone to be more often <laughs> in their unconscious. And it takes time for them to develop the opposing uh, subconscious. The subconscious is also the opposite gender of your ego, whereas the unconscious is the same gender as your ego. It's a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. So also uh, for for most types, being being like let's say an ENTJ, being an ISFP all the time would be extremely draining and uncomfortable in every social situation for them, and like. I would say it's much more easy for them to be an INTP because they do that with purpose a lot more often. Hello? Sorry, I was making a cool comment to the DJ. <laughs> oh, I was so confused. I was like, no, no, no internet. No, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, my internet went down and crashed and burned. <laughs> What's next, Hunter? You're getting worried? I had to go and check the live stream was still up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh, interesting question from uh, this guy reads in a Freud. It says, uh, Sah Sahaj Sani says, how do different types daydream? Wow. How do different types daydream? Interesting question. It is a very interesting question. And honestly, I don't know enough about daydreaming to answer that question. So I'm not going to go well, there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to answer the question, but I might give you some peaked interest. Um, a lot of the stuff with looking at dreams from what I've read from Freud is you take what you're hiding. So think about it that way. How would, what are different types hiding and what are they not going about themselves as what are their inferiorities? Well, I mean, I've, daydream Cessna planes crashing into my classroom sometimes and colliding with, you know, <laughs> lots of desks yeah, and everything. You'd have to go really <laughs> That's a hard one. I feel like an example would be a lot easier with that because it's basically asking us to create our own dream. And well, that, that's against the purpose of dreams, taking out your in, the things that you don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one is from St. Nick 9497. And it says, would it be a wise choice to approach my area's school board of education and seek to implement a small group test for teachers to apply the type grid as a better, uh, as to help better the school system? Hmm. Uh, sure, but you'd have to prove, you'd have to have proof of concept first. You need, you need proof of concept, and you also have to make sure that people using the type grid and the temperament matrix, uh, uh, temperament type grid, mostly coming from, uh, uh, Linda Behrens, the temperament matrix coming from Stephen Montgomery, uh, for example, both of those tools are very useful, but if they're not applied properly, if you don't understand all the facets about it, it's would be kind of hard to really create a test and you're getting like false positives in that regard. So be very careful. Yes, eventually we yep. ideally want society to get to that point, especially in schools. But in the meantime, until we have a way to perfect uh, the the uh, type identification system, uh, yep, it, well, it's a slippery slope. He was more, yep, he was looking for proof of concept for a short term, and my mind just instantly went to like covert ops, and at the same time the round circle, <laughs> like right, just get your little round circle of typists and just go watch the teachers for like a month straight collecting data. <laughs> yeah, totally. Noah, what you got? Uh, 
All right. So I believe you answered this question already, but I don't remember if it was on a video or just on a Discord chat. Um, so it is from Ghost. Nope. I lost the question. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> um, there it is. From Marco Coronal. How do I stop worrying so much what others think of me? Dash INFJ. How do I stop worrying what other people think? Um, yep. It's an INFJ wondering how to stop worrying um, what others think of them. INFJs worry more about how people value them and whether or not, I, whether or not those people feel that they're valuable or useful and not worthless uh, because INFJs right. walk around feeling worthless all the time. Uh, that's yep. never going to go away, ever. And uh, if you're more of an INFP where you're concerned about whether people think about you uh, in terms of like whether or not people think that you're an intelligent person or whether or not uh, people think you're a good person, somebody who, you know, who has high moral principles or has who has really good status or is, uh, you know, because, for example, like an NFP versus NFJ, an NFJ just wants someone to value them. An NFP, NFP wants to... Um, wants other people to think highly of them. It's completely different. Like the NFP is like, oh, hey, I want to have really good status. You know, I don't have to be effective at anything. But as long as everyone thinks I'm effective, I'm good. You know, that's the NFP way of it. Because in the absence of communication or explanation, perceptions become reality. NFPs are just getting oh. to get people to think highly of them, even though they're not really doing anything to actually earn that. Because it doesn't matter if they earn it or not. As long as people think it, they're happy. They're good to go. It doesn't matter. So, With an NFJ, so they have many, to like actually get a contribution and have someone value them as a result of that actual contribution. So many ENFP armchair psychologists. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I have two armchairs. <laughs> All right, what's next, Elvin? All right, so from MK. MK is asking advice for INFJs that are highly empathetic or have highly responsive mirror neurons. They say it feels like uh, being a human sponge most of the time. I don't understand the context of the question. Um, uh, it seems like the person is asking if you have any advice for an INFJ who's very empathetic uh, to kind of keep from uh, sucking in the emotions of everyone around them all the time. Get some solitude, like introvert. Go introvert and get away from people, seriously. And get the losers out of your life, as I say in the Virtue and Vice episode for INFJs. Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. which would be, I think, episode. 12. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe this speaks more highly to like, how would you give advice to someone who's like an HSP or highly sensitive person and like dealing with their surroundings? Would you still say introvert, or would you say maybe something? Yeah, they need time different. alone, uh, and a lot of NFs. So I've even met some ENFJs who claim that they're HSPs, for example. But uh, it, it's it's not really it's not really that per se. I mean, the 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 token HSP is an INFP. They are the token HSFP. And then like 
they get so sensitive, somewhat like overly sensitive in some cases, and then they just start judging you. And then it just causes my ESFP <laughs> to come out and mock them publicly when they do it. Uh, and then they're like, oh, you're such a dick. And I'm like, actually, you're ignorant. <laughs> and, you I'm know. Just imagining, like, I'm just imagining them getting, getting overwhelmed, screaming, and they'll be like, ah! Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not really fair, because not all INFPs do that. It's more of, a, like, like I know some INFP SJWs that would go to the Sacramento Politics and Philosophy group on a regular basis, and they'd get so mad at me. They're like, I'm too sensitive for that. And I'm like, you're, so you're too sensitive in hearing the truth. But I don't believe what you're saying. And I'm like, I don't care if you don't believe what I'm saying or not. It's the fact. And I looked it up on my phone, and I proved my point. And... <laughs> they're like well you know they could be biased and i'm like bias doesn't matter in the face of truth like if it's actually true reference know your own bias. it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> matter it doesn't matter how biased bias does not apply to truth because if it is a fact it doesn't matter right. if it's biased or not it's still a fact who cares you know it doesn't matter about the intention behind the person using a fact anyone can use a fact reference reference to the uh illogical fallacy where you criticize someone to get away from your own criticism Anyway. Yeah. All right. So uh, what's next, Mr. Hunter? What's next is uh, is Shank. That is a super close question to the next one. I'm, uh, I'm going to leave that one, actually, because okay. it's basically the same as last time. All right. Um, next is Digum00. It says, hi, I'm a female ENTP. I started a nonprofit for women. How do I ensure that I stay motivated and excited as opposed to getting bored and moving on to something else? Ooh, good question. You probably know a lot about this one. All right. So which type is she again? ENTP. Basically, how to stay oh. motivated. Oh, how to stay motivated. Uh, realize that it's your conviction or your duty to do the so. You're not going to stay motivated. That's the point of ENTPs. You have to, you have to really care about it that you would actually feel like the worst human being, that you would feel guilty that you are not fulfilling your duty. You are not fulfilling your purpose. So unless mm -hmm. it really absolutely is 100% your purpose in life, then you're probably not going to get very far with it. But if it is your purpose, and you know what it is your purpose, and it is your conviction, it is your duty to do this, then you will see it through. So would you say push till, like push to gain every bit of experience you can, then take that and like, you wouldn't stay on it if it's not what you didn't want to do? I mean, if it's not... If it's not supposed to, kind of thing. Kind of, uh, kind of. But the thing is, it's like ENTPs can be really fleeting with things at times, and that's a fact. So that it has to be something that completely means everything to them. That it is self-defining, basically, in order for them to keep up the motivation. Like, like take this YouTube channel for example. This YouTube channel is actually pretty stressful for me sometimes, and I have so much work to do and so much everything I have to do. And in fact, actually, people on the Discord were telling me about how I need to be editing my videos and and all this, and I'm like, guys. Guys, I'm not going to edit my videos. Not because I don't want to. Sure, I want to. I just don't have time. You know, I have a lot of responsibilities. I <laughs> lift every day. I go to work and have a day job like everybody else does. Uh, and I have the YouTube channel. And do I have, like, you know, a life outside of that? No, I don't. Not right now. You know what I mean? It's because this means something to me. I'm doing this as a result of my conviction. It's not has nothing to do with willpower. It's all about conviction, where I will start to feel guilty if I am not continuing to produce for this community and not continuing to do this, right? Because, for example, 
you know, I got really sick at the beginning of this year and I was concerned that, you know, everything that's up here is just going to go to waste. So I decided, you know what, it's my conviction. I need to share what I know with everybody else so that it at least is archived and handled so that if some reason I just wasn't alive anymore, all of that would be made available to everybody and it would still be useful. And like I did something useful, you know, but it goes beyond that. Quite frankly, I'm doing this because it's for my son. Uh, out of every human being in the world, I want my son to learn the science. I want him to master it, and I want him to be better at it than I am and more accurate, which is likely because he's an INFJ, right? And uh, and then he can move it forward to the next level, probably more so than I ever could. Don't forget, I also learned from an INFJ. So INFJs can actually take this to the next level, right? And that's what I'm planning on doing for him. And it is my conviction to make sure that all of this is available so that he can actually study it even when I'm here, even when I'm not here on this earth anymore. And that way he can benefit from it and move forward with it. Mm -hmm. This legacy is for him more than anyone else. And that is why I drive myself and force myself, even against my own will, through self-discipline to continue to produce for this channel and this community. And that is an example of how conviction works as an ENTP. It's not about what I want. It's about what I should do. That's a fact. So I guess the the way to like grow your experience and keep going on things with that is to make sure it is rooted in something that means a lot to you and something that's going to keep you in the same place. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd agree with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next question comes from Ash, and she's basically asking, what can I do as an ISFP to maximize my performance in learning as a homeschooled person being taught read. by an ENFP and an ENTJ? Read, 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 and read nonfiction. TE inferiors and TE child benefit so much from reading. Read, read, read. They benefit the most more of all the other types. TE inferiors and TE uh, children, child reading. I cannot stress it enough. And then after you've read, practical application. Put some of it into practice. That's how I would answer that question. Mm -hmm. It would be like you'd have to learn the knowledge beforehand and then actualize it in the world, and you'd have to keep repeating that process over and over again. Yeah, exactly. All right. Hmm. What's next, Hunter? Uh, next would be Austin asking, as an INFJ, what are some good ways to deal with being isolated from society? Uh, well, I mean, you could do what Jesus would do and just create a wolf pack of people, AKA disciples, and just take them everywhere you go and don't worry about the rest of the world unless it's necessary for you to do so. But typically like even Jesus said, you know, I'm not here for the world. I'm here for you basically. So, you know, <laughs> understand that that's, that that's kind of what you got to do. Otherwise solitude, again, you're an introvert, get some introversion time uh, and really invest in yourself uh, read, make sure it's an actual investment yep. instead of just playing World of Warcraft all day long. And I am I am saying <laughs> that with someone specific in mind, by the way. I'm hearing this with someone specific in mind. <laughs> uh, it seems like the best thing for INFJs to do is to grab a sort of like, like you said, wolf pack by grabbing people that or immoral with them. And that's how you deal with getting your sort of breakfast of of like i want to say um oh, sorry i left it my bed that's all good. oh breakfast of extroversion Bre breakfast of extroversion because everyone needs that at least somewhere 
you'd have to get it from your own little pack of people that you value. Well, yeah, sure, but that's what they they value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would agree with that. The thing is, though, like even INFJs specifically, there's there there's they're said to be like the most extroverted of the introverts, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, with ISTPs as a close second, uh, and uh, and then for the uh, for the extroverts, ENTPs are the most introverted of the extroverts, which is also interesting because I can get like super make introverted. And in fact, uh, my girlfriend and I were we had a conversation about this a couple of uh, like a week ago, and how she's like, "Oh, you're spending so much time alone <laughs> and doing all this, and like trying to like tell me that you know she may have felt neglected." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that." I'm an ENTP. Introverted intuition is all about focus, right? And in order for me to see things through, I need to be in my INTJ shadow, right? To finish because it's the finisher. I'm not starting all this new crap with my ENTP a lot, right? I got to finish, which means I need to be alone and introvert in my INTJ shadow to utilize my introverted intuition function, my nemesis, right? So I could focus on getting something done. That has nothing to do with me neglecting you. It has everything to do with me. I just need to get shit done. You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Just, just imagine an ENTP getting, like, introverted and just looking at someone crouched down like, Gollum, I am learning. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Best question of the night. C.S. Joseph, do you wear pants in your lectures? <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. Uh, specifically, true religion brand jeans with the occasional Adidas uh, uh, gym shorts. Can Not confirm I've too. seen his legs today. Ooh. Oh, yes, that's right. You did actually see my legs today. Fair enough. Vamps is a special <laughs> kind of family. <laughs> yes, okay. the people who help fix your um, technical difficulties. That's right. The, yeah, that, that makes sure that uh, people like me are not like bad at the cyber because apparently I am. <laughs> Next question. I mean, you're outside for a lot of your videos, isn't that? Wouldn't that be like extreme chilly, Willie? I don't know. Anyway, uh, next question, Ashung. Um, how do INTPs attract and build relationships with compatible types, and how can I, as an INTP, actually set and achieve goals? And not go and rail, or and not go off and derail or destroy myself in the process. Okay, so how to be attractive to other people? Okay, so you watch season four, season six, and season thirteen playlists on my YouTube channel, which is how do intimate relationships actually work? That's season four. Season six is the four pillars of self intimacy. Do everything said in season six. You can't. That's your starting point. Like I tell people to watch season four first and it, I did it first just to kind of show you what the end result is supposed to look like. I'm kind of working backwards there, but season six is actually how you start. Do the four pillars of self-intimacy season six. That's how you develop self-respect, which is like, you can't even be in a relationship with anyone else because love your neighbor as yourself. You have no business being in a relationship with anybody Loving anyone else if you can't love yourself first. And for some reason, INTPs struggle in that true. area because they're like, oh, I have this ESHA subconscious and, you know, I'm going to be so focused on everyone else and, and trying to get everyone else to value me that I'm not really going to take care of myself very much, which is really frustrating. And like INFJs do the same thing for some reason. But yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. INTP wise, you guys just have to force yourself and have self-discipline and take care of yourself. Do the four pillars of self-intimacy. Take responsibility for meeting your own needs. 
have personal standards, mm -hmm. enforce your personal boundaries, have personal goals, okay? Then you have the four pillars, and then the little roof on top of the four pillars is self-respect, okay? Because above all else, yeah. life rule number one, above all else, respect thyself. So once you have self-respect, then all of a sudden, like, you're on the path of, like, being attractive. After you have self-respect, you develop king, warrior, magician, lover, also known as the four archetypes of the mature masculine. You develop those archetypes. You become the mature masculine. You gain respectability. Thus, you're attractive to uh, women, for example, if we're talking to an INTP male in this in this particular mm -hmm. exercise. So, yeah, that's what you do. And as far as, like, setting goals for yourself... It's not really about so, goal setting for an INTP. It's more of like you're just forcing yourself to keep growing. It's self-discipline. It's conviction. So would, it, would it be the the like actualization of their ENTJ shadow? Kind of. I mean, that. Uh, but the thing is they don't allow themselves to want anything because they look at everyone else being so irresponsible right. with what they want that they don't allow themselves to want anything. So it has to become something that they know that they should do. Like they have to know that yep. it is their duty to finish, to do a goal. So they have to mm -hmm. organize their life based on what they should do, not what they want to do. Right. But then right. INTPs end up being super mega lazy. And it's like, well, I, I, I'd, I'd rather just, you know, play video games all day. Cause that's what I'm comfortable with. And that's fun. And then my brain is getting, is swimming in, you know, like dopamine constantly while that happens. And yeah, nice mm -hmm. SI child way to be super comfort. You're going to like, out comfort zone your own comfort zone because your comfort zone is going to lead you being uncomfortable when you're 40. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a loser be, uh, like that. Wake up. Like seriously. Yeah. Super mega counterproductive. Wake up. INTPs. Don't do that. Yep. Force yourselves so, to improve. Force yourselves to grow against your own will. That's how it works. Conviction. Self-discipline. So I guess the answer here is open that little gate that is their, uh, their FE, right? And then access the willpower that ENTJ shadow can have yeah yep all right uh we're going back to nova or you want me to read one more yeah go go one more uh hunter on the on this one okay this one's frosty and he says how can i know if i'm not an intj also is visual typing accurate and i i.e and i i toggle gross <laughs> Uh, visual typing is really not well defined. It is a thing. <laughs> it is a science. It's just not really well done. And in my opinion, one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Bryant, uh, specifically, uh, was pretty decent at visual typing. Uh, but the whole like, and I toggled crap. I mean, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. I haven't seen much to do it because so many people are mistyped and then they're using like the whole, ooh, and I toggle thing on mistyped people. And it's just like, I'm sorry. I try to verify that with my TI parent. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not seeing a lot to that. Not to say that it's not accurate. It could be. That's any hero. Like, yeah, it, it could be possible because anything is possible. But at the same time, like I, I've seen no evidence of that anecdotally, and even with what other people have told me in my circles, uh, in my private circles of those close to me that talk about this uh, subject matter on a daily basis, and quite frankly, just not seeing very much of it. However, visual Here's typing I... is a thing. Visual typing is a thing that exists. It, it does exist in terms, but it's debatable as to how to achieve it and which strategies to utilize to get there. That's the issue. And it's not as defined as I as what I would want to be in order for me to like be comfortable with using it on a regular basis. Also, I'm SE Demon. 
what business does se yeah. demon have doing visual typing visual lol typing. <laughs> yep so here's how i here's how i kind of see visual typing um i kind of see it as it's a water drop in a bucket and very inefficient compared to what you could do that is more accurate well said that's that's i probably should have said that <laughs> <laughs> like you can see an nii toggle but if you're basing it off of one thing you're being dumb and you're going to need 5000 different visual typing things when you could just go with like interaction styles <laughs> yes fate wind i'm not saying it doesn't work i agree with you <laughs> by the way Fatewind is like one of my favorite people because they're like one of the very first 10 people <laughs> that ever watched my channel. I will never forget that. Anyway, what's Good next, Nova? All right. So this next question, I have a feeling it's going to trigger you because it triggers me, but I thought it would be good to uh, hear your response. So it's from Ghost Proxy. He says, hey, Chase, I'm an INTP male with introversion and intuition above 90%. I am so triggered. <laughs> what type wow. of female partner is compatible with me? <laughs> I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> no, actually. Uh, no, Mr. Ghost Proxy, uh, I need you to go to my YouTube channel, go to the playlist, and watch <laughs> Season 2, basically. Uh, watch Season 2, especially Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, that's very important because in there, we talk about the percentages that you get when you take the tests. Uh, and... Uh, it's very, very poignant. As soon as you're done watching season two, and I recommend you watch every lecture all the way through season two, then skip up to season 15 and watch all of season 15. And then once you once you have season two and season 15 under your belt, you will basically understand why we can't rely on the percentages at all as a result of these dichotomy-based tests. And if Emery was here, uh, Emery would agree with me on that point as well, because he seems to be Mr. Anti-Dichotomy these days. Uh, not that I have a problem with that, because I don't. I kind of agree with him on that point. So, But anyway, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's how that is. Um, uh, so yeah, sorry, Ghost. <laughs> I can't answer that question in the way that you want me to, but uh, the best thing I could say is just watch season two and 15. Yeah, and maybe if he's, he said he's an INTP, right? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, right. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just saying it, but let's go with he's right. Find an ENTJ to show you the world, Mr. 90% on both. <laughs> <laughs> Probably enough. a decent thing. Fair enough. All right, Noah, what's next? Uh, next we have Paz Dichat says, how does an INFP compare to an INTP? Didn't you make a video on that already? I think I did. <laughs> and if I did, I thought you finished that Maybe. season. Okay, I, so I think I I think I did finish that season. It's like the similar, the similar perceiving functions. So yes, I did do that season, and uh, yeah, I think that's season eight. I think it's season eight. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that that lecture would be in that. Uh, how do the types compare to each other? You can look at that playlist, and you could just find that massive playlist of all the type comparisons I ever did. You'll you'll find that in there, and it'll answer that question. So uh, what's the next question, Noah? Fair enough. We have Connor Tobin. And so when you're drunk or high, which side of your mind do you access? Okay, so there's a lot of debate on this. There's a lot of debate. Uh, I personally maintain so far. Uh, I don't know how it 
it could change slightly between intuitives versus sensors. Uh, but let's just talk about just sensors because it's kind of easier. Uh, from a sensor point of view, uh, and it may not actually be, it may be beyond intuitives and sensors as well. I'm sorry. Um, it, it, it's different to SE versus NI users and SI versus NE users. It's different, depends where the, the perceiving functions are essentially, because perceiving functions are really kind of impact the difference between like your body and how your mind is aware of your body is more on the perceptional side. That's why sexuality is more on the perceptional side. It's not actually on the decision-making side of your cognitive functions. Uh, but when it comes to like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, alcohol and, uh, well, I, hold on. I'll, 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 I'll say it this way. Stimulants versus depressants. Okay. So if you give a, so typically the rule is if you give someone a depressant, they're going to end up in their unconscious. If you're going to give someone a stimulant, they're going to end up in their subconscious, essentially. Now yeah, we have, that's it. yeah, and that's, that's the general rule. That is the general rule uh, of how it works out. Um, uh, and uh, hold on, I wanted to answer that question right away. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, anyway, uh, but yes, as a general rule, the stimulants puts in your subconscious, the uh, um, uh, the depressant puts you in your unconscious. And there have been a few cases that we've seen that you can get into your superego when you try to mix the both. And I remember sometime like people getting like these huge caffeine energy drinks and mixing them with alcohol and like people freaking out and being like super super ego mode in certain cases. Um, wow. Now you get, you get the differences between like angry drunks versus, you know, happy drunks, for example, like me, I'm a very happy drunk, right? Uh, I don't get angry drunk, but like certain, certain types do get angry and, and it's consistent with type, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the general rule, and again, when I say general, general, like with an asterisk, because uh, there could be some human, human nurture components getting in the way of this rule. But again, the general rule is uh, if it's a stimulant, you're in your subconscious. If it's a depressant, you are in your unconscious. But again, general with an asterisk, because human nurture might be impacting that slightly as well. Hmm. Interesting. Also, also personal experience here. Uh, if I'm an ENF, ENFJ, that goes super deep into INFP whenever it's a depressant. Like, become lovey-dovey type person when depressants are used, so. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. What's what's next, Noah? All right. Um, All right. Next, we have Restro PTTR uh, responding from a, an earlier question. He says, isn't NE responsible for daydreaming? Uh, no. And I actually added him and answered the question directly in the chat. Uh, no. Oh, uh, missed that. SE, <laughs> NI and SE, and or SI equals any, both can daydream. Uh, my ISTP grandfather daydreamed all the time. He'd just go sit out on the deck of the house, and he just imagined what he would do with the landscape and daydream about being on his dozer and changing the landscape in whatever way. He's always thinking and planning and did that for a long time. So I know SE users uh, definitely do a daydream in certain in certain cases and mm -hmm. times. Also, if you, if you want to say like uh, creating environments of talking with people, SE users definitely daydream because they always like a lot of them talk to themselves. So that's I mean, true. They do. I have noticed a lot of experted sensors do talk to themselves at times. Yes, or they inform you what they're doing. Mm -hmm. 
you know, while you're like, it's almost like they're talking <laughs> in the first person and they're in front of you. It's like, I can see what you're doing. Why are you telling me what you're doing? <laughs> of course, I also do that. To and jab. now I'm spreading this lacquer on this table. No way. All right. I have three really good questions on Discord after this. So, okay. Yeah, go for it. If you're willing. Yep. Okay. Uh, Cruz says, is I mentally a thinker or a feeler? I think I know what he's getting at with it. So, okay. What is the question? Is ISTJ fundamentally a thinker or a feeler? A feeler. They're fundamentally a feeler. ISTJ equals feeler because they have FI child. Just because the T mm -hmm. dichotomy T from the MBTI does not make them a thinker has nothing to do with that. They are a feeler because they oh, have okay. FI, FI child. A lot of people need to understand that your MBTI letters does not necessarily mean you're a thinker or a feeler. Guess what? Did you know that INFJs are thinkers? Like, there you go. <laughs> They're not feelers, right? Did, did you know that... Uh, did you know that ENFJs are thinkers? It's like, come on, uh, you know. Let me getting caught in dichotomies for the last month. Anyway, um, next question is Heather, and it says, can you discuss what happens when an INFJ has intuition about something and the world says it's wrong? Result, identity crisis. Not being able to trust one's intuition or assume that the world is just lying? Um. Always verify everything yourself with your TI child. Who cares what other people say or think or feel? It doesn't matter. Just focus on what you know is true by verifying it for yourself. That also includes every belief system and your belief system. Always verify. Always verify. And especially for NFJs and STPs, it's super important that you do this. And remember, NFJs and STPs, uh, when someone's like telling you something, trust what they're saying for sure. But verify. Trust, but verify. It's a huge lesson that an ISTP taught me uh, one day. You always trust what people are saying so they don't feel disrespected, but then you always yeah. verify it yourself because that way you're not going to get screwed, yeah. which is really good advice, especially for an ISTP because ISTPs have NE trickster and they're not aware of the intentions of other people and if intentions could be hostile and if they're going to be taken advantage of. And so as a result of that, uh, doing the trust but verify, if they stick to that pattern of verifying every single time, they're forcing themselves and they literally want themselves to verify. So they're using NI child and a psych critic to verify with their TI hero what's happening. Their mm -hmm. chances of getting screwed by a high NE user like an ENFP goes way down. And in, in terms of yeah. just personal security, verification is important. Yeah, uh, a really good way to think about that is uh, treat everyone like there's something to be learned from them and then go learn, basically, is how I've lived for a pretty good amount of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so. very TI inferior. I would absolutely recommend that. Trust but right. verify. So what's the next question, Hunter? Euphemia. Euphie again. Euphie. Oh, I like this question. How do I meet more ENFJs if NFJs are the rarest type? Sad. Uh, I Okay, Yuffie, this is what you do. Okay, so you open up Discord. Go to the CSJ Discord. Um, go to the Modsies <laughs> list. Find Hunter's name. Click it and send him a message. Done. <laughs> <laughs> works 90% works works, of the time. Yeah. 
Um, really, uh, if you want to find yourself a good NFJ man, other than talking to Hunter, uh, what uh, you do is you go volunteer. <laughs> you go volunteer. Do a lot of volunteer work because typically NFJ men, uh, ENFJs and INFJs, they're the ones running the events. They're the ones running the uh, the donation things or um, or the blood drive or the or the homeless shelter, or they're typically the guys in charge, basically. And you just get to know them after doing volunteering. So again, if you're an NFP looking for an NFJ to be with, volunteer. You will get an NFJ really fast. I guarantee it. It's like the fastest way an NFP can get an NFJ that they're looking for. <laughs> so definitely go for it. All right. Uh, next one. Our SE users... Oh, this is Kane Golbez. And it says, are SE users really trend followers? If so, explain why we're not sheeps. Good question. Uh, more TE users are actually trend followers uh, than SE users. Uh, SE users, although are prone at the whole, you know, if other people are doing it, that makes it okay if I do it, basically. Uh, they are prone to that, and that's probably what he's talking about. But in terms of, like, trend followers, TE users statistically are more trend followers as a result. So... Anyway, uh, what's yep. the uh, what's the next uh, question? Uh, this is someone asking for advice for their INTJ friend, and she says she has an INTP brother who refuses to take responsibility even after the death of their mother. She's the only one working and bringing food to her brother who doesn't do a shit to change their situation, and he's still acting very childish, childishly and arrogant. All right, stop bringing him food. Um, <laughs> right. Like seriously. Let, let him realize. Yeah, yeah. Let him realize what he's doing by his consequence. Yeah, like stop, stop bringing him food. Make him get his own food. Like he needs to be a man. Right. Treat him like so, one. Yeah, Treat a man it, by a man a, by you don't do anything for him if he's a man. Yeah, it's entitlement. The guy's lazy. Get him out. Like right. stop. Thank you, Electro Rabbit. Absolutely knows what they're talking about. Stop enabling. Thank you. Right. Yep, yep. So, like, entitlement, the way you deal with it is you just hit them with reality. And then say, okay, good, do this if you're, if you're yeah, willing to Yeah, and, and if they're, and if they're still not willing to change, bring an ESTP near them and have the ESTP just shoot them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That'll make them uncomfortable okay. real quick. Um, What's next? Let me see. That one's a super long question. Um, it's Yuffie again. <laughs> if INFJs are more thinking than feeling, is it the same for ISFJs? Well, here comes Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is the same for ISFJs. They are more thinking than feeling, yes, because they have TI child. Yes. It's another one of those types where, for some reason, the MBTI gives them an F letter when they're actually a T. It's weird. Yep. That's what happens. And uh, like an INTJ is a feeler, an ISTJ is a feeler. But for some reason, every time you give them T's, I know why. It's because if you have high and high extroverted, um, um, or if you have a thinking function in the top two slots, then they automatically give you the T, regardless if it's extroverted or introverted. The thing is, though, it's inaccurate. And this is why a lot of MBTI tests are inaccurate because they're testing for that T-ness, except they're not paying attention to if it's introverted or extroverted, whether or not it's a source function or a consuming function. Yep. Uh, and that's why an ISTJ is actually a feeler and an ISFJ is actually a thinker in reality. Mm -hmm. So. 
this is why we have so many ambiverts. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> Triggered. Triggered. Let me tattoo that uh, one on my butt. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if having triggered on your butt is the best thing for sexual compatibility. All right. You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh. He's like, don't worry, that's that's just the conversation piece. All right. Next. <laughs> yep, next. <laughs> uh, this is the last one I'll do before I throw it to Nova, but this is Angelina, and she says, do you think psychopaths are always in their superego, or do they just not have a fully developed personality? Uh, it's more of a not fully developed personality as a result of human nurture. Uh, they psychopaths can be in their superego for sure, but uh, psychopaths can also not be in their superego as well. Uh, also, they can. I've seen psychopaths that are perfectly fine in their ego. They're just super mega depraved as a result of the human nurture in their life, and they like go super mega vice mode. Right? They're super deep in their vice, but they may be like perfectly developed human beings as well. So. Mm -hmm. We're almost up to August 30th now. Uh, Nova, I'm going to throw it to you. All right, here's a fun one. Uh, Alex, a female INTJ, is asking, will I die alone? Female <laughs> ISTJ? INTJ. An INTJ? No. Uh, not at all. Just focus on being useful and getting something done. Find a course to chart and do the course. Find a path and do the path and not give up. And yeah. uh, if you're having a hard time, like it depends what your problem is. So again, what I would recommend, uh, you watch season four in its entirety, how intimate relationships actually work. Season six in its entirety, the four pillars of self-intimacy. And season 13 in its entirety, which is the uh, pers personal sovereignty and the sacred genders. Watch those three seasons, their playlists on my YouTube channel. And uh, you would, and if you do exactly what it tells you to do, I guarantee you, you're not going to die alone. Like straight up. Unless like a lightning strike hits you in the way out of your house, then Chase has to take back his words. But anyway, if you're going uh, to, if that's going to happen, you need to read the book, 101 deadly skills by like this uh, Navy skill. <laughs> and the, survival edition and uh and you'll know exactly how to survive a lightning strike so you're not going to die alone you get lightning struck <laughs> holy so you know. shit that's something great to know is that something yep. you can prepare for though <laughs> yeah it's easy actually the technique is is that you avoid you you want to go in a, an open space as much as possible and then uh get on your knees with your knees touching the ground and your toes touching the ground but not your legs and then and then put your elbows down in front and then put your hands over your head and then open your mouth. And then with the lightning striking really close to you, and if you actually get struck, you'll survive. And uh, and you're also, if the lightning strikes next to you, your lungs won't explode. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Nova. What you got, Nova? All right. Um, let's let Nova find one. I'm going to throw one out really quick. Go for it. Uh, this one's by Coach Simone. Is typing using micro expressions accurate? Oh, we already went over that. All right. We already I'll went over it. that. Next. Okay. Yep. Next. Uh, I'm not sure how to say this guy's name, so I'm going to say Dumpus. Uh, are SI DOMs immune to Alzheimer's? Funny question. Hmm. Uh, 
most SI doms and SI parents, so SI hero and SI parent, uh, are actually more likely to suffer dementia than they are to suffer uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, whereas SE users are the ones that are more likely to suffer Alzheimer's than, uh, so it's because dementia, because your brain, the way it develops and whatnot, if you're an SI user, your brain is more used to act, uh, accessing long-term memory. And uh, because of that, your short-term memory is a little bit weaker. And then when you develop those symptoms, uh, it basically destroys your short-term memory and you develop dementia, right? As a high SI user and it's the opposite with a high yep. SE user, basically. All right. Hmm. Uh, this question is from Yuffie. Dang, Yuffie, all the questions. It is, uh, what are loops and why do they happen? Uh, that's basically um, Cognitive Access uh, Season 1. There is a lecture called Cognitive Access. Please watch it. And uh, also watch Season 5 <laughs> as well. That's how I'm going to answer that question. Yep. By the way, I know uh, CSJ just referred to his videos a lot, but it's probably something you should actually do. Did it. Uh, enjoyed it. Got a lot of wind. <laughs> well, and your lungs didn't explode because <laughs> you're going to survive when you get struck yeah. by lightning. Yep. See? See? It's a win-win scenario. It's a win-win scenario. Wow, oh, Jesus. Dude. Okay, next. Wow. Okay, <laughs> Nova, what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I had someone ask a question about loops as well. Uh, Ace is high ten. Well, so uh, they're talking about like the TI SI loop and the INTP. Okay. Do you think that has any validity? So that was covered. I, I answered well. it. I answered that in a previous Q and A session, but I'll just go over my answer again. Uh, when that happens, and you're and you find yourself stuck in a rut because of a TISI loop, basically, you need to develop your parent more. You need to understand that you know there's other bad intentions that may be happening, or you need to understand, like, to look into the future. What are the consequences of that going to be? What is the consequences going to be for other people as a result of decisions you yourself are making? Is that guilt that you want to live with for the rest of your life? Maybe you should have, like, some conviction to change that, typically, when you're having issues uh, with the uh, TISI loop. Develop your parent function. That is the answer to that question. You got anything else, yeah. Nova? Um, the DJ wants to know, how do INTJs get along with ENFJs? Uh, decent. It's not the best, I mean, but it can work. Logan. I mean, Jabba and I get along fine. Yeah. Those I mean, they get along. It's, uh, it's definitely something that could work, but it's not, uh, it's not always like, it's not it's not it's not optimal but it definitely can work for sure yep as long as long as the intj can respect the enfj it shouldn't be too horrible um well it's the same thing see. both sides to be honest yep the intj has yep. got to be willing to listen to the enfj as well so what, what what's next nova yeah. next we have gary barlow he wants to know what is the most efficient way for an intp to network people and gain power in order to keep those they care about <laughs> comfortable and safe that is oh jeez, that's a dope question Ooh. all right step one uh read uh the prince by niccolo machiavelli step two oh. read, read every book written by robert green including the 48 laws of power and follow them uh 
Step three, read games people play. Uh, step four, read uh, the person and the situation. Uh, <laughs> step four, or step five, read everything hey. by Napoleon Hill. <laughs> uh, I recommended that book to you. Yes, yes, you did. Thank you. Oh, uh, oh my gosh, you read it. That's great. How to create Hitler. <laughs> wow. Don't even go there with me. Uh, the uh, Okay. So, but how to network basically and establish relationships with other people. Um, basically, meetup.com. It's honestly, seriously, meetup.com. Go just do do fun stuff. Go hiking with people that you don't even know. Do singles groups. Um, do things that aren't focused on business because when you do like groups on meetup that's focused on business, they're usually trying to sell you something. Whereas business conversations come as a result of like going on a hiking trip with people on meetup.com, for example, or like a bicycling trip or something like that. Do something fun right. with other human beings. And then as a result of garnering a relationship with them, as a result of doing fun things and being friendly and friends as a result of that, then all of a sudden they trust you enough to have those business discussions and then you're good to go. That would be how I'd recommend right. that because INTJs need to garner that you're, I'm giving you a good experience. <coughs> with my SE inferior and they usually have to be doing something fun with other people first. Right. That's how I would do it. Right. So would you say something along the lines of use, use a good experience and off and on and an authentic rela relationship beforehand to break the ice. And then actually people might be willing to look and listen to you. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for translating. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my thing. All right. All right. Uh, we going one more on Nova or are we going back to me? Let's think. Let's go well, one more on Nova. One. All right. Yep. Andrea O wants to know what type do you think is the hardest one to deal with or be while growing up? The hardest one to deal with or be when growing up? Yeah, like hardest one for parents to deal with or uh, hardest one to be while you're growing up. I it probably depends on... Does it depend on like what type your parents are as well? It does. It very much depends. So yeah, I can't really, I can't really answer that question. I could make the argument for ESTP. Yeah. I could make the argument for INFJ. That's not specific enough for me to answer specifically. So... Let's take um, let's take the U.S. environment of SJ culture generalization. I know it's not nice. If but... that's the case, then INFJ. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's kind of it's kind of here or there, honestly. So hashtag yeah. next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one comes from Kane Golbez, and uh, it's is there a link between control versus movement and fixed versus growth mindset? Control versus movement, and no, the answer is no. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is a good question by Chaotic Order. He's saying, uh, "Do you lose?" Like he says, "If I try to enter my ESTP subconscious, do I temporarily lose FI critic and acquire FI trickster?" Question mark. Does the same apply to ENFP unconscious? Can I become aware of TE? Yeah, when you're when you're in the sides of the mind, you get to utilize those cognitive functions. They may be yeah. dumbed down or a lot less awareness, but you still get to use them. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you lose the other one though? 
No, you don't lose the other one. No, it's more of it's more yeah. of like your your brain changes the priority system mm -hmm. for even a split second, up to a few minutes, or whatever, while you're while you're interacting that way. And like the switches can be made in real time, like cognitive transitions. Like if you don't know about this, watch my lecture on cognitive transitions. I think it's in season one. Uh, cognitive transitions, very important, but you can do them in like microseconds, flipping back and forth between the different sides of your mind quickly, you know, uh, as well as for longer extended periods of time. Uh, this might not be the best metaphor, but let's say if you know how a GPU works on a computer versus the CPU, you don't lose the CPU while the GPU is doing things. Exactly. You don't, yeah. All right. Uh, next we have Hankster. Oh, never mind. He's just replying in questions. Uh, <laughs> next we have Yuffie again, and it says, how can each type curb bullying towards them? That's a lot of questions in one. Uh, are they susceptible to different kinds of bullying or being aggressors themselves? Is, is this ISTPs? It says each type. So, like so, I said, a lot of questions in one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do a lecture series on that. Uh, let me... Yeah. Uh, let me apply that to my notes smartly here to make sure I don't miss that. I am actually going to put that on my schedule plan. So how each type responds to bullying. That is a great lecture series to do. So yes, it is. how each type responds to bullying. Thank you. Now it's just 816 videos to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> As far as we know, anyway. Don't worry, uh, we can think of more. Yep. What's what you got? You what you got for me now, uh, Mr. Hunter? Next is Saichi Gaida, and it's a. Uh, how can I improve SE Inferior, and what is SE Inferior about? He says it got answered though, so never mind. Awesome. Next. Um. Can it? Yep. He says, can an INTJ and ES ESFP romantic relationship work? So duality. Uh, technically, yes. Technically. <laughs> technically. But no. <laughs> and uh, no. Uh, hashtag dumpster fire. Yeah. Hashtag jump off a bridge. <laughs> Run. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to imagine that. Okay, so you're going to bring your INTJ to a party and... No. Okay, yep. Never mind. Uh, next question. <laughs> um, let's see. That was one I asked when I thought I was still an ENTJ. I guess worth still getting an answer for. What can I do as an ENTJ living in a house with an ISFP father who tells me not to think and an ISTJ stepmother who tells me not to try? Okay, what type are they? ENTJ. Uh, get out of the house. Uh, first step, do extracurricular activities if you're underage so that you're not in the house at all and like have friends. And, uh, and then as soon as you are like 15 or 16, get a realtor's license, for example, or, or get a... <laughs> food Fork handlers <laughs> permit or a forklift license or something and just get out and get a job. Seriously, get out and get a job, get away from those people. Like seriously, just be independent and self-sufficient. And if you can arrange for yourself to be so self-sufficient that you can get emancipated, then do it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the, the answer there is just not try to resolve, but try to build towards a better future, I guess. So, no. all right, ask that again. 
I said the answer there is to not try to resolve, I'll say that, yeah. uh, but more to try to build to, towards a better future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Develop the four pillars of self-intimacy. The CNTJ needs to watch season six on the as a playlist on uh, on uh, my YouTube so that they can you know reach self-actualization as soon as possible. They need to be independent and on their own and get out of the house. Parents are not going to change. Parents are not going to respect you. I still struggle with that myself, to be honest. Uh, you know, and, uh, like, like, for example, you know, uh, you know, my own mother would prefer that, you know, I, I'm talking about God more on, on my YouTube channel. Right. And, <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's not what this community is <laughs> Ruin, for. Ruins you know, community. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, what's really interesting about that Hunter. Like she's actually going to listen to this. <laughs> so. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Because she does listen to my um, lectures when I say that. But I'm just being fair. I'm not trying to be offensive to my mother, you know. But and yes. I and I'm and I'm grateful that I that my parents I have my parents and that and they're actually together and they're still married, right? A lot of people don't have that opportunity, you know. Yes. And and I and I'm I'm pretty grateful for that. But at the same time, it's like, but I also gotta be real too. You know what I mean? Everyone has challenges with their parents, even me. No one is perfect. No parent is perfect. I mean, my own son. And my own daughter, they have to deal with me being imperfect all the time. And it's really frustrating. And I feel guilty about it every single day. There's not a single day that goes by where I don't. And I and I get it. And because I have that issue with my own children, I understand that my parents also have a similar outlook, too, when it comes to myself and, you know, uh, you know, and the rest of my immediate family. So, sure. Fair enough. Yep. Um, this question is from Angelina. It says, do you think that the reason that people sometimes end up married to their subconscious is because their subconscious is something that they want to be? Yes. Yeah. The answer to that question is yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well said, well thought out. Yes. All right. I don't think I could marry my subconscious. I would go yeah, crazy. Me either. I was, well, then again, oh, wait, I'm not an EMT. No. I'm actually an ENFJ. Yes, better, yes, Hunter, you'd have to be married to Logan to have that experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. No tanks, I'm tracks. Okay, um, let's see. Fun. Oh wait, no, I don't want to skip site. Uh, it says, "How can how can I type? How can I type?" Sorry, never mind. I don't understand the the semantics of that, so I can't. Um. This one says, do you ever realize how many innuendos come out during your live stream videos? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a ton of them, but I mean, I'm an ENTP. <laughs> like, ENTPs are insanely sexual creatures. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so are ISTJs, too, I've noticed. It's kind of kind of interesting. It's well, less the lectures <laughs> than just you normally. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was my question. All right, uh, you can go back to know. <laughs> Next. All right, Lucifer, my bro, uh, wants to know about ideal careers for INTPs because their current job is a nightmare. Ideal careers for INTPs. Um, hmm. Engineering. 
yeah, engineering. Thank you. <laughs> That's obvious because they're called the engineer. <laughs> yes, engineering, IT, for example, computer programming, uh, application development, deployment, DevOps, DevOps, DevOps. I can't stress DevOps enough for INTPs. DevOps is an awesome place. Uh, also, this guy right here, uh, this book, uh, People Patterns by Stephen Montgomery, uh, yeah, absolutely uh, has an entire section in here about careers. I don't know if I completely agree with him, uh, but uh, for the most part, his perspective on careers is very interesting. So I'd recommend checking out that book, People Patterns by Stephen Montgomery, PhD. Uh, he does try to give some career advice, but from a temperament standpoint, not from a type standpoint. I don't entirely agree with it, but it is definitely useful for sure. Fair enough. I have a uh, nightshade asking if an INTJ has PTSD or has a PTSD or anxiety attack, how bad could that be? And how are they going to be? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't really, I've never exactly observed what? an INTJ having a panic attack. It's more of like, they go to like a party and they're, they're freaking out that everyone else is dressed a certain way and they're the only one not. And they're like singled out. So they, they go hide in the bathroom freaking out and they don't want to like go out of the bathroom and have people like look at them, for example, you know what I mean? It's just situations like that. Like, how is that? It's very subjective and very human neutral. I can't exactly answer that specifically without more information. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I have Nicole asking about uh, INT female and INFP male relationship. How would that work out? Say that again, INTP and ENFP? INTP female and INFP male. Yeah, that's a dumpster fire. <laughs> so? <laughs> yeah, no thank you. Throw it at the dumpster. Straight dump. That's a run, right? Yeah. Um, also asking about INFPs, physiology and snow. Can an INFP be a physicist? Can an INFP be a physicist? Absolutely, mm -hmm. they can. It's called being masters mm -hmm. of academia. Hmm. So, can any type be a physicist? Can any type do any job? I mean, I know a few ESFPs that are that are uh, physicists. It can happen. It just depends. Like sometimes they develop their subconscious, like an SP developing their uh, intellectual subconscious, right? Like that that can be a thing. So, or they're mm -hmm. or they're you know like so a so an SFP could be like a major scientist. I've I've seen it happen. It can it can work. It just depends on what side of their mind they're at. Uh, Hunter, how many questions you got left on your side? Uh, a good amount. Okay, I've been going through, but yeah, we're, we're on uh we're on the thirty first because apparently there were like a hundred questions out there or something. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, we are running out of time here. We're going to be done within the next uh seven minutes or within seven minutes here. So let's uh mm -hmm. try to lightning round it through as many of them as possible. So uh, let's go. All what right. do you got? Well, rev the engines. You ready? Three, two, one, go. Angelina says, is it healthy to door slam people? 
Yes, yes, it is. For the most part, if you are an INJ, I recommend door slamming people because if you don't door slam <laughs> people, you'll always be reminded of that trauma around those people, and that will just screw with you and make you even more manic or crazy yeah. and just and difficult to be around. So yes, door slam people as needed. It is recommended and uh, necessary. Just realize though that sometimes people change after ten years, and you might want to be willing to give them more of a chance after the fact uh, if you can. If not. Mm -hmm. Better to stay healthy, and INFJs yep. do door slam for a lot of reasons. INTJs do as well, and it's usually for healthy reasons. I know they get a lot of crap right, for so, it, but it can be useful. So door slam, but don't remove the knob. Got it. All right. Uh, another person says, "What? Why do immature ISFPs get raised you when faced with criticism?" Uh, because they take it very personally because TE inferior is like, "How dare you not regard me? I'm a really good person. You should be thinking a lot higher." a lot higher of me than you do and you're probably a bad person because you don't think i'm a good person you know that that kind of <laughs> point of view uh the inferior is very sensitive to criticism because they take the system so <laughs> much and yes they can be very biased and it's funny because they're usually te inferiors <laughs> are usually the people that are calling out other people for being biased when they themselves are the ones who have the most preconceived notions and the most biased of all the types so yeah mm -hmm. uh AZ Just Car says, "How does a type and its ego differ from the shadow of that same time? Uh, differ from the shadow of that same time? Example: INTJ in its ENTP shadow versus ENTP ego." Okay, so oh, are, they, okay. are they asking for the differences, or it's, it's like it's like how does let's say Elon Musk is an INTP in his ENTJ shadow all the time? How does that differ from an ENTJ generally? Uh, it just means they're less effective. Like it, it just means they're not as effective as the ENTJ because being stuck in your shadow, you're kind of more of an immature or dumbed down version of the real thing, basically. Let's say if they have a very integrated shadow. Uh, then it kind of won't matter because by then they would have outsourced a lot of those things to other people to handle it for them and they could be still just as effective. But if we're just doing comparing like apples to oranges here or like a, to a one-to-one -one comparison, uh, uh, oh, okay, yeah. the, the ego, the whoever's in the ego is going to win out in the end. Okay. And uh, I'll do one more before Logan goes to hers in lightning rounds. No, what no, is, no. We're exactly we're going to we're gonna go with you all the way through. So. Okay, okay. Uh, Hankster says, what does it exactly mean to get out of your comfort zone? What is it you change? Your social interaction, your routine, your goals, what? All of that applies. Uh, your goals, routines, and social interactions. You just put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Having to, doing something you've never done before. Being in a social situation you've never done before. Having a goal you've never had before. It has to be completely net new for you. 100% new. That's how I yep, answer so that. someone. Yeah, someone who's like chaotic, it would be actually being ordered for a while. Right? Yeah, exactly. The opposite. Yep. So Skate says in one of your compatibility videos, you said the number one compatible type would work very well, but could also be explosive when things go wrong. How could this explosiveness happen exactly in an INFJ ENFP romantic relationship? Uh, well, it could get very explosive to the point where the ENFP is. Uh, spreading rumors and lies about the INFJ to destroy the reputation and discredit the INFJ in the public within like say coworkers or colleagues, for example, uh, consistently and the INFJ uh, going out to literally destroy the things that is owned by the ENFP, like breaking their pencils or, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, keying their car, uh, you know, those types of things, uh, <laughs> puncturing tires, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it, like it's, it, it could be a very physical response, um, or, mm -hmm. or yelling at the person or cussing them out, you know, those types of things. Uh, so yeah, it can be very well, explosive, but then they make up and then all of a sudden like the makeup sex is like the best thing ever, for example. <laughs> it's like personal experience. No. Anyway, uh, so basically I guess something to add to this might be that, that uh, that even if it's a, the best compatibility, you still have the chance to fuck up majorly and you're going to go into super ego when that happens. It doesn't really matter the compatibility, it matters the type that's getting fucked with. All right. Um, Akanksha says, I'm an ENTJ woman and my fiance is an INFP man. We often have fights over family issues, like the way his mother and ESFJ talks to me and puts me down. He always defends her and says the, that her intention wasn't to hurt me. However, I can tell that she feels that. I can tell that she has bad intentions. I feel unheard and I feel bullied. How do I deal? Wow, that's a really complicated question. But good, glad to ask. Uh, so the INFP like needs to wake up and understand that they need to value you more than uh, their parents, and they should probably read Nowhere Mister Nice Guy because Dr. Robert Glover talks about how uh, men can be uh, monogamous to their mothers, basically, and it sounds like that that's yeah. what's happening in that kind of relationship. So avoid that with like the plague. Seriously, uh, criticize him, yeah. get him out of his comfort zone. Utilize the rubric uh, provided by Dr. Robert Glover in his book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and call out your uh, husband or boyfriend's uh, nice guy syndrome because that's crap. Like, that is absolute crap because he's yeah. doing this. He's basically agreeing with his mother's criticisms of you, basically. So they're literally teaming up against you, and that's wrong. He should be valuing yeah. more than what, your uh, what his mother says, and that's just an example of nice guy syndrome, and he's disrespecting you. Yeah. And if he continues to do that and he doesn't change after you hold call him out on it you need to move on that's it's that simple. don't use your don't use your value of him to undervalue yourself when something is clearly going wrong exactly yep cool um, we got time for one more all right i'll make it good in your lecture what is temperament you alluded to the notion of being able to understand how children can develop their cognition is there any hint as to how birth order may play a role in the development of cognitive functions? Yes. The second born yes. child. Yes. Entity. Birth and order. Would... Yes. Birth order can affect it. Yes, it can. I'm not going to state how, because that is an upcoming lecture where we're going to be talking about that in depth. Ooh. So yes, the answer to that question is absolutely yes. <laughs> birth order can affect cognitive function development. Yes. Awesome. And that was from Mary. Yeah. yeah. So we just hit the two hour mark. Uh, thank you all for coming for uh, episode four of our Q&A. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, so just a heads up to the audience that have been watching. Uh, if you want to get your questions submitted ahead of time, we've been taking questions from the YouTube channel direct tonight, which has been great, but we usually have them provided by the audience on our Discord server. If you don't know how to get to our Discord server, go to one of my lectures on the channel and then go to the description of the video, click on the Discord link, and then you can create an account on discordapp.com, be added to our server, and then you instantly have access to that. And then just go to the questions for CS Joseph channel and just drop your questions in there. And they will be added uh, to the queue for the next episode that we're doing. We're trying to do these every other Friday. Okay, we're trying to do these Q&A mm -hmm. sessions every other Friday. We'll also have other live streams like how to type live stream is going to be our next live stream. We got I think it's probably going to be Sunday night or maybe Monday night for that one, but it is coming. 
so just be aware of that. Uh, utilize the Discord server for uh, the Q and A session. If you have any questions, if you also want to get involved with our meetup group, uh, check that out. The link is also in the descriptions of the lectures as well. And uh, thank you, Lin Yan Chin <laughs> and Tower Guy seventy seven and Dirtman and Fire Breathing Moonbeam. That is like that is the dopest name. Fire breathing. Fire moon breathing moonbeam. Moon <laughs> it's like yeah i mean like if i was in, if i was on dragon ball z or dragon ball super that would be like my signature move fire breathing moon yeah, that's a fucking yeah dude, that's like, just imagine like light coming out of your palm and then just fucking erupting everything in front of it that's awesome yeah yeah definitely oh and and if that's uh ali on the chat shout out to ali for the uh the cool uh art on the channel and for the, hopefully maybe she's making oh, yeah. me an avatar soon <laughs> i hope so <laughs> a anyway uh so yeah cool guys uh love you all very much uh keep the questions coming uh and i'm gonna keep pu pu pumping out the lectures i didn't do one of my lectures this week because i was in oh, denver okay. so we're gonna keep them coming and i'm hoping to do uh some more uh tomorrow and uh just keep on going with it but uh awesome Y'all have a good night, and uh, I'll probably be hanging out on Discord for a while for like the the after party ish. Probably while I go try to find something to drink There's in the fridge or something. Party. I know, right? Totally. So, <laughs> cool. Well, stream's over. See you guys uh, the next Q and A session. Two weeks. Have a good night.